Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. On this episode, we favor non-traditional musicals. We also go another round of series survival and discover vacation friends. It's time for a top three turf war. So this top three turf war is coming out around the same time as Dear Evan Hansen. Not to mention we're recording it the day after In the Heights was released to buy. And I totally bought that copy. So we're in kind of a musical place. But Ivana, you're not like huge musical person. You know, there are the occasional musicals that I enjoy. But for the most part, they're too much for me. They're too much. So we were talking a little bit about musicals, you know, you're bursting with emotion that you just end up singing and dancing. And there's a lot of soundtracks, there's a lot of films that don't deal with the singing and dancing and full-on emotion that could still be considered musicals. So people in the story understand the music is in the real world. It's not happening in someone's head. Like... Those fun moments in a summer camp where they all get together at the end and they sing a song around the campfire, that's a part of the real world. So we got to thinking, what if we did some non-musical musicals for a top three turf war? Because at first, when we were talking about Dear Evan Hansen, I was like, oh, but I don't like musicals that much and how are we going to do this? But then I realized I really love movies about music and where like music is like a heavy focus. Absolutely. So I'm excited for this one. This was hard. Actually, it was really hard. Yeah. I'm about to give you my number three position. And honestly, if you ask me tomorrow, I might pick my number four position. Thank you. Thank you for saying that, Ivana, because like really... I felt so bad about my number three position. I even felt bad about my number two position. My number one was always going to be my number one. Same. But I really was struggling about keeping anything off this list. So my honorable mentions is a mile long. I completely agree with you. Like, (laughs) this is a hard one. I even, I don't, I might even regret it as soon as it comes out of my mouth. Are you ready? What is this regret? Hit us. Okay. Number three, blinded by the light. I knew that Blinded by the Light would be on your list. It is not on mine. How did you know this? Because when you first saw it, you were just so excited and you were like, Jay, you have to see this movie. And I knew when you say, Jay, you have to see this movie, like you really are impacted. So what impacted you about Blinded by the Light? Uh, This is going to be shocking, but like, So Blake, he loves Bruce Springsteen. And for me, Bruce Springsteen's voice is a little low and his words kind of like meld into each other. Like that's his style. And that really bothers me because I really prefer people who like enunciate really clearly. And this movie, I think, taught me a little bit about how important Bruce Springsteen is and also like what he means to Blake. And and then it, it was an immigrant story. It is a great story. Anytime there are immigrants, I'm like completely and utterly, it's my story, you know? I don't know. It is your story. Yeah. So I just feel like those movies touch me very, very much. 
And then the, the last thing that really blew me away about Blinded by the Light was the, the typography in the film. Like, I loved the, the words that they had on the screen and the way that they had the words. I don't, it was just so cool. If you haven't seen Blinded by the Light, there are these fantastical moments of words that are the lyrics of the song being written on the screen. Now, again, this is non-musical musicals, and it's literally just because he's listening to the song in his earphones. It is a very rooted, very, very like small story that they're telling about this man who loves Bruce Springsteen. That's it. And the, when the lyrics show up, you are taken aback. It's it's beautiful too, and it's really you feel it. I don't know. It's it's great. I am so happy it's on your list. I don't know if this will be on your list. I, and this is one of those ones that I was like, should I do this? Should I do this? I don't know. But my number three is going to be Pitch Perfect, and I hope I didn't oh. pop too much with those double P's. I'm not shocked at all. I 100% knew Pitch Perfect would make your list. I'm oh, yeah. su- surprised it's not number two. I, I, I'm I surprised it's not number two. I'm surp- There's so many great non-musical musicals. And the thing that I love about Pitch Perfect is not just that it's so funny. As soon as it was done, I got the soundtrack. And I've been listening to the soundtrack ever since. I love the soundtrack. The idea that this is a competition... That what's going on inside the the story fuels the music that's actually happening. Like that, the magic in me, don't you forget about me when it comes up at the end. Like all of these tunes that you are so familiar with done in such a different way. That I, like by the end of the film, I literally jump out of my chair when I'm watching at home. And I got to <laughs> like, I got to move. I got to dance. I got to get into it. And, you know, I love Becca who's played by Anna Kendrick. I love Brittany Snow in the film. I love I love the 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 male lead who literally just showed up in another musical, which is the TV series. Yeah. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Yep. And Ben Platt, who's also in Pitch Perfect. Oh, see the connections? We're making all these connections. <laughs> so Pitch Perfect is definitely up there for me as a non-musical musical. I think the soundtrack kicks ass. I don't think the sequels hold a candle to the magic that was that first one. Not to mention that theater going experience was one for the ages. I went with my friends. It might've been the last one that I saw with like a group, like six people went. We fell in love with this movie and how could you not? This movie is excellent and I'm so happy that it's on your list because it is a quality picture. For me, it's not on my list because It's a non-musical musical, musical, but it's also very much a musical. It's still too musical-y for me. There's too many messages just from like, oh, I'm singing this song and you know I'm singing it about you and oh. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's just like too much music, too much. That's fair. I, I do think it's an excellent film and you're totally right. The first one, oh man, it's funny. Yeah, I, I, the second and third, take it or leave it. If you could but just like get rid of film. half the songs, then we'd be talking. Can't get rid of a single one. I love them all. What is your number two? <laughs> all right. My number two, 
I'm actually shocked because for a long time, I didn't think that I loved this movie. But especially this past year, it's like slowly creeping up my list and how much and how good I think it is just keeps getting better and better. I know what it is. Do you want to guess? Pop star never stop, never stopping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is it. Exactly. I'm so glad it's on your list. Is it on yours? It's in, it's like the number four honorable mention. This is the thing. I'm like, oh my God, is this going to make it on or is it not going to make it on? But man, the songs in this movie. Well, you tell oh. me why you love it. I'll tell you why I agree. <laughs> so I, it's the songs. Like I didn't really realize until my last viewing how good and how political and also how like shockingly relevant these songs still can be. They were really smart. Just, he just did the smart commentary over the guise of a stupid character in such a perfect way. Well, not just him, the whole Lonely Island group. They're all so good together. And and I really love mockumentaries. Hell, I made a mockumentary. Produced my own, Kitty Mamas. You guys should check it out if you haven't already. <laughs> so, but uh, I love mockumentaries. It's actually pretty good. It's actually a good film. I think so too, especially like first picture. This is a good one out of the gate. Number two, that'll be even more fun, I think. It's better than Army of the Dead. I keep telling Ivana this. She doesn't believe me. It is like better than Army of the Dead. And I know at least 70% of our audience sat through that. So you'll well, enjoy I, Kitty Mamas. I got to say, I didn't hate Army of the Dead. So I, I think Army of the Dead probably, like it, it's also just the craft. Anyway, but the pop star never stopped stopping is is a great mockumentary i think it's one of the best the songs are incredible it's actually an, a really smart film and the more i talk about it with film lovers the more i realize this film is something special there is a <laughs> there's a song in this that i can't so i laughed the whole way through and it's finest girl which is the bin laden song and the chorus is, and, you know, if you got kids in the room, earmuffs. <laughs> she said, fuck me like we fucked Bin Laden. Like, it is so... The best part about all of these political moments in it is how unaware of the political moments Andy Samberg is playing it. Like, yes, the Equal Rights that's exactly song. exactly it. I'm so humble. Like, it, it's just... The lack of awareness from a from a pop star, which it obviously, you know, taking like taking a crack at Justin Bieber, a hundred and ten percent, a hundred and ten percent. But this is not enough people saw this film. You should watch this film if you like comedy. If you like comedy, you have to watch this film. And and if you like smart comedies. You have to watch this film. Absolutely. A hundred times over. I, it's got, I think I give it like four stars. It's fantastic. Like it's a fantastic film. hundred percent, four stars. All right. What's your number two? All right. My number two is not a comedy. It is a film by Cameron Crowe called Almost Famous. It's my number one. It's your number one. Oh my God. Okay. So. 
almost famous. Did, almost didn't make my list at all. I almost didn't even think about it. It was my first thought. I was like, I better get this right. And I saw it and I'm like, oh my God, Almost Famous has to go in there. Like 100%. 100%. Almost Famous is the story of a kid pretending to, you know, be a journalist. Nobody really knows how old. Well, no, he is a journalist. He's Rolling a journalist. Stone has sent him out. And yeah, like he 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 applies and he gets the job and, but he's a kid. And, and, yeah, he's a kid and he's, this is like summer vacation to go traveling with this band and a lot of the music comes from the band but also a lot of music in the story comes from what they're listening to in the moment after everybody's almost crashed tiny dancer comes on in the radio and they're on they're all in there and they all start singing the song and that's my favorite moment in the film oh that's the best moment in the movie absolutely and they all remember like, oh, yeah, we love music. Like, we yeah. love this stuff. And we can be happy because we love this stuff. And music's playing at parties. And it's filling the soundtrack, sure. But it's also, like, entirely a part of that world. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's, it's a really, really fantastic non-musical musical. Everyone has found themselves, if you've been lucky enough to be on, like, a trip with people that you know, like a school trip or, you know, camp or I don't know what, something where there's people that you know and you're all on a bus and then that song comes on and suddenly the whole bus is singing. That's a magical, magical moment. Absolutely. And it means so much to everybody on that bus because they're all angry and they're all pissed off. And then this song comes on and the story is bonkers good. It's maybe... Like maybe one of the last really great Cameron Crowe films. And Fran, if you're listening to this, I know that this is your movie. Like this is. <laughs> so our clubhouse mutual friend, Fran from clubhouse. We, we discovered something once the movie that changed me was Cameron Crowe's Jerry Maguire. It was the one that I was like, this is going to be a big deal for the rest of my life. Movies are going to be in it. This is a big deal. And for Fran, it was almost famous. So we have this Cameron Crowe connection. Oh, that's so beautiful. You know? I'm with Fran on this one. Almost Famous is such a special film. And I remember the first time I watched it, it just blew me away. The way that Kate Hudson is portrayed as Penny Lane, she's like magical. And I just saw what the camera could do and could show and the way that that camera lens was able to see her I, it was stunning stunning and my number one movie on my list if we're ready if we're oh if we're, we're ready okay i don't think anybody's ready for this <laughs> my number one is the bodyguard starring whitney houston and kevin costner i mean okay the bodyguard is the best-selling soundtrack <laughs> or it was the ultimately like the best-selling soundtrack for years and years and years it's where Whitney Houston sang I will always love you but there is so many other tracks and she is the entire soundtrack and the entire movie is her music because she is singing the music throughout the movie because she is a singer but that's not the movie 
The movie is she has a stalker and Kevin Costner's there to save her. And it's a freaking great action movie about that with just the greatest music all the way through. I still, when Becky and I are driving, I'm like, should we do the bodyguard? It's like, yeah. And the <laughs> bodyguard soundtrack goes on. It is by far the soundtrack I listen to the most out of any soundtrack period. It is the bodyguard soundtrack. Wow. I had no idea. No idea that you what had you this think love. I was going to say, I think I know what you were going to say. You thought I was going to go to no way in your mind. Would you ever think that I am a, I am a closet bodyguard fan. I'm blown away. I am blown away. <laughs> I actually don't know what I thought you would pick as number one. Maybe Whiplash? Yeah, yeah. I, I figured you would think I'd go Whiplash, but I never listened to the Whiplash soundtrack. Oh, so, like, it's in my right. honorable mentions because while music totally fuels that and I still think it's a non-musical musical, I never go back to the soundtrack. But these three films, all the time I'm on the soundtrack, but in particular, The Bodyguard. That's so interesting that like a big part of what made your top three was whether you returned to the soundtrack because that did not even weigh into my head because I never I go back to would. any soundtrack. You know what I listen to? I listen to movie scores. Really? Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not even talking famous ones. I literally go into Google Music. So if I'm, I'm right now, I'm writing a horror film. So I go into Google Music I type in horror scores and yeah. I just put on random playlists of different horror scores, all sorts of different movies, just because like it gets me in the mood. Okay. We have to do a segment then of the scores that we think are underrated or people don't talk about or like, you know, everybody talks about John Williams. So John Williams is not allowed on this list. Yeah, I like this. You know, and I want to do some scores because I have some scores in mind. That people don't talk about, but when you hear it, you're like, oh, that is good. And I bet you have tons of on it. Okay, yeah, let's do this. We got to do this. We will do this in a, in a future podcast. <laughs> right now, we have to figure out where we're putting these. Wait, wait, wait. No, we're not done talking about the bodyguard. Whoa. So, like, okay, I don't actually think I've ever seen this movie. It's an action film. It's not like. Okay. So it's got music. It's got romance. It's rated R. So like you're going to get all your F-bombs in there and it's going to be a little violent. You've got, uh, you got a murder mystery in there and you've got the action of the bodyguard. Like Frank is the ultimate badass because he is there to like push people out of the way at the concert and like the intensity ramps up and he has to get her out the back to the car and they scrap like it is there's some really intense scenes in it and how is whitney houston as an actor fantastic and and her character is so real like she's into frank and sometimes she's not into frank and she will tell him off and there's ups and downs in their rocky weird relationship and she acts like a diva because she's also a diva like it's i i I don't think she, she may have been nominated for this performance. I don't know. I know her song was. That's an interesting movie. I mean, I both do want to watch it now and don't because it still has all that Whitney Houston 
music. It's not too music-y. It's not like all the music all the time. It's not all the music all the time, but like there's a scene where Frank is getting to know Whitney Houston's character and he's watching a music video of hers. So the overture of the whole thing is that music video. But really, it's very interesting because he's out in the pool house. She's up top watching him watch her and is getting intrigued by this guy. Like, is he is he not an asshole? Like, is he into me? But then you go to Kevin Costner's character, Frank, and he's like, he's kind of taken back by her talent. And it's, yeah, I don't know. It, there's layers in these performances for sure, but it also is a 90s thriller. That is, I, I do like those 90s thrillers, so maybe I got to check this out. I recommend anybody who hasn't seen The Bodyguard watch The Bodyguard. You may hate it. You may not like it. You may think this is cheesy. But I have over the years grown to appreciate how amazing this film is. I, I enjoyed it the first time I saw it. And then I, I heard people were kind of crapping on it. And I think I was in high school. So I was like, oh, yeah, pish posh the bodyguard. <laughs> but then I got into like, you know, actually watching movies. And I was watching it. And I'm like, no, there is something here. This is a fantastic time. It's a big popcorn chewing 90s thriller that I think, I think holds up really well. That is pretty cool. So, okay. Now we got to build a list. This is going to be hard, Jay. I'm going to start with Almost Famous. I think that should be number one. It's our only crossover. We both love it. And mine's almost in the number one spot. So I'm good with Almost Famous at number one. I like um, that, actually. That's a good, good idea. Then I think we got to get the number two. So, hmm. I mean, you've never seen The Bodyguard, so you don't even know if you like it. I, I'm okay with Popstar at number two because my Almost Famous was number one and Popstar, and then, you're number two. And then number three at Pitch Perfect? Well, maybe number three is The Bodyguard. Even the though bodyguard. you haven't seen it, maybe right, it then just it's goes in, there. in that last spot. So, okay. Actually, you know what? I really like that list because if you put it all together, you have Almost Famous, which is like classically beloved by everyone. Totally. The Bodyguard, which is your favorite and also one of the most iconic sort of soundtracks. Songs of all time. Yeah. Of all time. Yeah. And and then in the middle, you have this sort of quirky, like, comedy. And so we have drama, comedy, and action, really. So we kind of have it all. Totally. Yeah. I think we cover all of our bases with this. And if you are looking to keep going with some good music, some good tunes. Like this is also a list that straddles every, like a lot of genres. You got That's classic true. rock, you got pop, and then you've got satire pop, which is, you know, but also like the Whitney Houston bodyguard is almost like 80s synth pop almost. Yeah. So it's it's even... a very particular kind of pop. It's all, it's, it's like, it's it's the bellow time, you know, that's when right. it was it's all about this... the big pipes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, and there's a great scene where they're dancing to I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton. And that's how she, like, learns about the song. Oh, God. Come on. The bodyguard is fantastic. <laughs> all right. Let's count this down. Number three 
The Bodyguard. Number two, pop star, never stop, never stopping. And the number one best non-musical musical is Almost Famous. I love it. Good All list. Right. So, so what's on your honorable mentions? Yeah, why don't you start with your honorable mentions because you have less. Yeah, that's true. I have less. All right. So top of my honorable mentions list, Empire Records, which is a film that I love and I watched fantastic only a few years ago like I rewatched it and it somehow still holds up although I think that is heavily influenced by nostalgia I don't I, mm-hmm. I but either way I love it also Wayne's World love that movie so funny excellent I thought of Wayne's World as well Whiplash as well is on my honorable mentions and High Fidelity which is another favorite Oh, high fidelity. I love high fidelity a lot. I, I yeah, I didn't I didn't even think of high fidelity. Why didn't I think of high fidelity? That's weird. My honorable mentions, top is whiplash for sure. Like that was like so hard keeping it off. Along with Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping. But then I gotta throw love to Josie and the Pussycats. If you haven't seen the 2000s weird Josie and the Pussycats, which is I have a comedic satire film about it the... It is. It's a satire film about that Backstreet Boys Spice Girl era. There literally is a Backstreet Boys-like uh, band that has Seth Green, Brecken Meyer. Um, oh, that's like fun. Oh, uh, the the dude from Scrubs, Donald Fa- Fa- Faison. Oh Donald yeah, Faison? he he was also from Clueless. And from Clueless as well, like he's on this this weird Backstreet Boys uh, band that goes missing at the beginning, and it is entirely a satirical comedy about the music industry and how replaceable bands are. It's so good. People did not give this enough credit. The soundtrack is so rad, like unbelievably good. Look, I used to put, I used to play songs from the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack onto playlists that I'd have at pool parties and people would have no damn idea and be raging out just like, this is (laughs) awesome. And I'm like, yeah, it is fucking awesome. But you have no idea that this is from Josie and the Pussycats. So anyways, Josie and the Pussycats, I've already talked about you too long. Uh, <laughs> Sing Street, which my first dance at my wedding. Oh was to my a song God, from how Sing did Street. I forget Sing Street? It's so good. Yes. So good. So good. My first dance was to Find You, which felt really, really appropriate because uh, Becky and I got married a lot older. You know, we were older, we found each other older. And then Duets, which I don't know why I like. I think it's from a relationship I had when I was younger. Duets is weird. It's Gwyneth Paltrow. It's basically about a karaoke singing contest that happens in either Reno or Vegas. And so it's a bunch of people singing. And last but not least, this always makes me think of Mark, Nick, and Nora's Infinite Playlist, which is obviously the playlist they're listening to for most of the film. Or they're going to concerts. Or they're listening to music in cars. And it's That was a... a a lovely love story for, yeah. for New York. Yeah. yeah. So there are tons of non-traditional musicals out there for those who do not like musicals like Ivana, 
who like music and they like stories about music or they like watching people enjoy music, go out and watch yourself a non-traditional musical. But if you are looking for a musical, can I recommend again In the Heights? It's the best movie of the year and it's just like nobody saw it. Please go watch it. I started it. I didn't I didn't finish it. It's a very um it's a musical. It's very musical. It's very musical, but it's good. It's it's cute and adorable, but you know, like a, a musical. Some of the hard things with musicals are you don't fall in love with the characters. You instantly fall in love with everybody in in the heights. They are all very sweet. That's true. So, remember Jay like back in I want to say January, you invited me to join you to rewatch all of Supernatural. And then I think I got through like half of season one. And then I was like so far behind already. You were on season three or something. And then I just kind of stopped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, how's that going? Okay. So it was like January. <laughs> we are seven episodes away from the ending. Oh, uh, my. I, what? Like, can I tell you, this has been a journey. If I don't know how many of our fans like Supernatural. This is 15 it's seasons. It's 15 seasons. Yeah. But you know what? Like the consistency sticks around. Some seasons are better than others. Some seasons are forgettable. But there is a lot of consistency on this like crazy road trip. Look, it was only this year that we started this, this crazy ride. I'm already starting to feel nostalgic for when it's over that I bought <laughs> the Supernatural cookbook. Wait, what? <laughs> There's, There's a, a Supernatural <laughs> cookbook? I'll put it in the show notes. You can go take a look for yourself. It's basically like all the diner food that they get on the road and all the stuff they talk about on the road. Oh my so God, that's tons. so cool. <laughs> and I, I got to say, like, it's it's so funny because I'm watching it with my buddy Caesar, and we're, we're, you know, we're doing it in downtime and he's got two kids. It's hard. Like, this is why it's taking so long. If it was just me, I would have been done probably back in April or something. But, you know, Caesar, friend of the show, like he and I are trying to find spare time to like watch an episode or two. And he's at his house, I'm at my house. And we're literally just texting. He's so shocked by me because I keep on going like, I can't believe we're almost done. Like I'm shocked, Caesar, that we like, we stuck with this. That's the thing I'm shocked at the most is we didn't give up. How many television episodes is this 15 season marathon? 320 in total. So I am at 313. Hey, that's kind of a cool number. 313. I like that. It has a nice little symmetry and it's also kind of spooky. But what am I going to watch next? What's going to fill my like supernatural heart? Series survival. Dun, dun, dun. We're back again with another installment of Series Survival because we, right now where we're recording, it's uh, September 1st. We are like in the thick of fall TV lineup coming back. And it feels like this is true across the board, not just 
over on the regular television networks. But even in the streamers, I feel like there's a lot more of the bigger shows. They seem to be coming out now. I'm a big fan of thinking about after Labor Day is the new year. And so I like this for the new year of television. And um, we've got three new shows. And we're going to kick it off with Q-Force from Netflix. So if you're interested, you can check out our show notes for links to all the trailers. Jay and I have watched these trailers. And now we're going to say, do we think that they're going to make it to a season two or not? So, Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit about Q-Force and uh, give us your prediction? So Q-Force is an animated comedy series about the military. And when Don't Ask, Don't Tell is repealed, they they have this guy who they basically are like, you're going to be the commander of commanders. And then they're like, oh, he goes up to do a speech and he's like, and now that we've repealed Don't Ask, Don't Tell, I can be my true self. And immediately he is demoted and they bring in somebody else to be like, no, 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 this man, this is the man who we actually meant and, and, and he's straight. So he's not, he's not gay. Uh, also funny because yeah, I believe that would be how it would go. So basically Q force is sort of a team of the openly gay soldiers who are relegated to their mission of Hollywood to stop terrorism in Hollywood. I don't know if this is a like early 2000s timeline or something. It would be really fun if it was, but basically that is the storyline. And I got to say, I am all in for this show. This show, it looks so funny. The animation is so great. And, you know, it's going to be pushing the envelope. And I love cartoons that push the envelope. So I have a little bit of a confession to make. And I I need to make it before you give a prediction here. While I was looking at the trailer, I rewatched it today on YouTube. And over on the side panel, I noticed that there were like YouTubers who had put out videos about Q-Force. And apparently the reviewers don't like it. Like people think the show is too woke in a not funny kind of way. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Now, you never know how that goes with Netflix because there was a show a few years back that they did about a girl who used to be like on the larger side and then lost a bunch of weight and now is doing beauty pageants and she's like mean. And everyone hated that show, but then it got a lot of attention to that show because everyone hated it. And it made it to season two because the numbers were good. I think this is Netflix. I think they're going to love the fact that it's getting controversial reviews. I think that will just incite them to green light a second season. I will go on the con side here. And I'm going to say that I think when it comes time for people to watch it, there it's not going to make it to that top 10. It sounds like it's the opposite of Archer where it doesn't have any fangs. And so I don't think that people are going to watch it. And I think that it's going to get canceled. All right. So we've got a a split vote here. We got a no and a yes. Let's move on to the next show. And that is La Brea from NBC. This is a action drama that's coming this fall. And it's basically a show where the La Brea Tar Pits in L.A. have opened up. And a couple of people have fallen into that hole 
It's basically Land of the Lost, people. It's the Land of the Lost. It's kind of like Lost, but in a sinkhole instead of on an island. But it seems like they've gone to the center of the island and there are going to be some dinosaurs there in the La Brea tar pits that somehow have been living in the earth. That's sort of what I get from this trailer. I feel like they almost go into like a different dimension or something. Like it's not in the earth. It's like in a... Like a, a second Earth. Of course. It's like that area in the Earth in Godzilla versus Kong where there's like light and a whole world inside. And you're like, how did this happen? It's it's <laughs> weird. It's a weird place after they fall. Look, I don't think dinosaur shows do well on network TV. It wasn't even the dinosaurs for me. It's too sci-fi for NBC. Network television sometimes does these mystery shows really well. Manifest was also NBC and that lasted three seasons with NBC. But this one, this one's too sci-fi and just a little too far out there. And I just don't understand how that can, that it's not for network television. Yeah, this is not a network TV show. I'm saying no to a second season. You're saying no to a second season. Look, if Spielberg couldn't do it, These people aren't going to do it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm throwing out there. All right. The third show that we have on the docket is a classic. And I I don't even know if I'm cheating that I threw it on the list, but it's a sci-fi and USA Network co-production, which I think is kind of cool. And it is a massive property, Chucky, literally Chucky, like the horror movies, the doll, the redheaded murder doll, Chucky. Now in this iteration, we have a lot of really cool nods to the movies. The house actually reminds me of one of the Chucky movies. And you've got a teenager who finds Chucky at a garage sale of sorts. And it looks bonkers. First of all, just the idea that you have this teenager carrying around a Chucky doll for all to hear and see in high school. Like, think about the ridicule there. Think about the ridicule. So it's it's Chucky in high school. I feel like I'm cheating because, you know, like 90% chance it's getting a season two. So I think this is going to get a season two, so, sort of like Ash versus the Evil Dead got more seasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's got a built-in audience. They're going to tune in. They're going to show up. I'm going to say, I don't think this looks good. I can't tell. I think it could be good because I think it could be like really weird. It looks really weird. Yeah, I'll, I'm with you there. But I don't know if you I can stick with with a Chucky series for a good long time. I know I, I went through all the movies. I've done every single Chucky movie and he's good for an hour. I don't know how you stretch that out to like 10 episodes, but they're going to try. And I really like that they're leaning into nostalgia. Specifically, the teenager goes, well, I like retro things. He buys Chucky because he's like, ah, it's kind of retro. Like knowing the nod of like, that's something cool that used to exist. Do you remember that Chucky movie with the spiral staircase in the center of the house? I believe that was the curse of Chucky. Yes, that's totally it. It was the curse of Chucky. I I swear they were in that set. That was one of the better movies. In my opinion, it doesn't get better than The Bride of Chucky. 
Agreed. Totally. It knows exactly what it is. It's like, we are going to do, we are so stupid. We're going to do the stupidest movie ever and just make fun of ourselves and have so much fun doing it. And it's amazing. And then they did the son of Chucky or the, the seed of Chucky. Yes. seed. The worst of all of them. Like it's the worst. Oh God. Then they did the curse of Chucky, which I believe, I believe that's what it's called. And it's really good. It's, it's really a good, good Chucky movie. It's a good Chucky film. Then they did the cult of Chucky, which started going downhill again. I feel like that's how these Chucky movies go. So uh, what did you <laughs> think of the Aubrey Plaza Chucky? I thought that was OK. I didn't like it as much as some of the others, but I thought it was OK. It, yeah, it was same. A neat I, updated, I had that same thought. It was a neat update. It was a little too updated. It was a me. little too updated. So, so you think it's going to get a second season, but you don't think it's going to be good? No. I think it's going to be a fun and wild ride. And I think the audience is going to like it. Like the fans, the Chucky fans are going to be okay with it. Oh, I definitely think like if, if the actor who played Andy shows up and stuff like that, they can have a lot of fun with this. Jennifer Tilly, if she shows up, like the, so much fun stuff can happen. But... From what I saw from the trailer, I just am like, I don't know, man. Like, it's 2021. The one-liners aren't really cutting it. It's Film Freaks. Chatter for the film fan and all of us. Last time, we went on a jungle adventure romp, and we wanted to keep the fun times rolling. So this week, we decided to check out Vacation Friends. It's an R-rated comedy romp. We start by meeting Marcus and Emily as they're checking into their hotel. And the hotel staff has helped Marcus plan an epic surprise proposal with roses and candles. Only to have his surprise ruined by a massive flood from the room above, all caused by a jacuzzi that was left running. Lucky for Marcus and Emily, the couple who flooded their room learns about the mess and their engagement and insists they bunk together. Their new roomies, Ron and Kyla, show Marcus and Emily how to let go of consequences and embrace the fun side of life. The rest of the vacation goes by in a blur of fun and partying, ending in one final debaucherous night. They do shots, they dance, they get high off all kinds of drugs, and they make what seems to be a pretty amazing connection. A connection that's even more apparent during a crazy orgy on the last night in Mexico. But these are vacation friends. It's time to get back to humdrum everyday life for Marcus and Emily. Plus, now that they're engaged, they have a wedding to plan. And the movie kind of picks up seven months into the future, right at their wedding venue. It's now their wedding weekend. But Marcus and Emily can't get married without their crazy vacation friends who end up crashing the wedding and to everyone's surprise, kind of make it way, way better. It's one of those kinds of comedies where the crazy is embraced and wrapped up in everything and everybody stays friends forever. So Ivana. What you thinking of Vacation Friends? I thought it was a really serviceable comedy and I enjoyed watching it. Although it wasn't perfect and the ending 
left a little bit to be desired. I would agree. Do I like this movie? Not really. Did I laugh? Yeah. If you were to ask me, do I like this movie? I would say, yeah, I like this movie. I, I definitely laughed, but I don't think I like it. I think it's like a two or a two and a half out of five. John Cena kind of saves this movie. John Cena plays the crazy vacation friend. And in every scene that he's in, I am like, thank God you're here, man. Like you are making me laugh. I felt that way actually about him and Meredith who plays Kyla and his partner. The two of them, they play the funny characters and they do it really, really nicely. I, yeah, I don't think I really enjoyed the film. I mean, it was just kind of on. My wife hated it. I was like, you got to relax like with your hate. She hated it. What oh, yeah. made I'm her like, hate it? I'm so curious. Because I, oh, yeah. Blake and I watched it and we were like, this is great. It's not very good, but like, it's fun. That was her thing. Like, this is not very good is what she kept coming back to. Like, this is not very good. The ending was really weirdly abrupt. It made me want to go to a waffle house. So like, I really want to get waffles. <laughs> the vacation friends restaurant of choice is the waffle house. It had this stupid setup of like, for whatever reason, this father doesn't approve of the groom because he like owns his own construction. Dude, he owns his own construction company. By the end of the movie, this you realize he's like a multimillionaire. You're like, this what the so fuck? Rich. Yeah. yeah. Like, How do they not know about? that he's so rich? It makes yeah. no sense to me. You know what really gave me a good laugh was the catamaran. When the catamaran flipped over and they had that wide shot from up above and you just watch it slowly hit the rocks and then capsize. That was pretty funny. That was, that made me laugh. The whole first half of the movie, I really quite enjoyed the second half of the movie faltered. You know what would have been a good second half to the movie? If they ended up moving in as neighbors and then the two of them think that they're being stalked by these people, but actually they're just undercover spies on a mission. And then it becomes like neighbors. You have these neighbors who are madness. Because then you've got vacation friends who you love turn into your nightmare neighbors. And that's kind of like a fun interplay. So do you, I mean, everybody meets people on vacation. Do you hang out with your vacation friends after vacation is over? I'm an antisocial human being because I don't think I've ever like made a vacation friend ever. Really? What Blake and I do sometimes is we like watch people and then come up with personalities and backstories. <laughs> so Becky and I are very friendly on vacation, but we know our line. Like they are vacation friends. My brother and his wife regularly hang out with people they met on vacation. Like they'll meet them and then they'll have dinner together. What? How can your real world dinners be as fun as when you were like dancing half naked on a beach? Oh, so you think that vacation friends have to stay vacation friends because in the cold heart light of day, they're less fun. In the cold hard light of day, I am less fun. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the real world, I am less fun. They could be as fun as they want. I am back in my real life now. I, I want to go to bed at a reasonable hour. I am less fun. 
I'm even just shocked that you guys make friends while on vacation. So what is it like to make friends on vacation? How do you even do it? It's usually you're at a bar or maybe like you're at a, at a table close to each other. When we were in the East Coast, we were all watching uh, a fiddler. We were at a table and we just kind of got to chatting with the people next to us. And by the end of the night, we were like all having a good time. But that was it. We were going somewhere after. So that was it. That was the time. We didn't change trade numbers. We said like so long is what we said. (laughs) Or we said enjoy the rest of your vacation. Meaning we're done. So this is just like a one night thing. You don't spend a whole week with people. Yeah, I got my boring life to maintain. (laughs) So yeah. So what do you think? Vacation friends. Did you watch the movie? Do you maintain your vacation friends? We'd love to know. All right, Jay, I want to keep this vacation train going because it's not yet Labor Day and I'm not ready to call it. So I'm going to suggest a TV show. It's an HBO one. I've seen the whole first season. I'm going to rewatch. So here's the thing. I'm going to just warn our audience. Audience members, watch as much of this show as you want to watch because we'll see how far we get. Just a note, when you are listening to this episode, you will have blown past Labor Day, but we are recording on September 1st. So Yeah, like we're in the past as we say these words and you, my friend, are in the future. Yeah, yeah. So like we don't know what's about to happen. The world could explode. Fish could rain from the sky. Don't know. It's not in this podcast because it ain't happened yet. And that's the show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please add a rating or a review to your podcast app if it's available. The music you heard today comes from bensound.com. And by exploring our show notes, you'll learn more about our friends who voiced our intros and where we secured our sound effects. You can find more episodes and information on our website, morethanmovies.net. Or like us on Facebook, More Than Movies Podcast. You can also reach us directly. I'm at It's Ivana. I'm at Jester J. So until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. (laughs) 